0: Good evening, and welcome to Health Beat, a local WDIY program done with our friends from the Leonard Parker Poole Institute of Health. Please join me to welcome our co-host, Edward Meehan, the Executive Director of the Pool Institute for Health. Hi, Edward. Good evening, Greg. It's nice to be here this evening and looking forward to our conversation. Terrific. This evening, we're also pleased to welcome Darian and Yolanda Colbert as we discuss a topic called the spirit of we Darian and Yolanda are with the Cohesion Network. Our two guests are high school sweethearts. They graduated from Duruff High School and are now the heart and soul of community organizing efforts. Darian and Yolanda embrace the spirit of we being greater than me. Welcome, Yolanda and Darian. And, and Darian, welcome back to Health Beat. Hello, everyone.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Darian, you last joined us on the December 2021 program. The relationship between the Poole Institute for Health and Cohesion Network was very new. It's safe to say a lot's happened since Cohesion uh, over the past uh, several years and since uh, you've been hosting monthly Franklin Park Community Conversations. Uh, Darian, you are now a graduate of the Pool Fellowship for Health, and both Darian and Yolanda remain active voices in the organizing community. Let's uh, start with Darian. How would you sum up the last few years, Darian?
2: Well, I'd probably say that the last few years have been a slow, hard, and really good work of developing trust through relationships in the Franklin Park community which really is the foundation of
0: our community engagement efforts. And could you go a little bit deeper into that? How what are some of the what are some of the things that slow you down? Oh, I think well, I
2: mean uh, I think like the Lepton Center, we work with them and um, one of their employees told us people going people. And so sometimes, you know, we can get in our own way. Um, you just can't swiftly move through a community. You have to build relationships and building relationships is awesome, but it, it's work. It takes work, you know? And so I think um, things that slow us down or I wouldn't say it's the people, it's really it's personalities and not that it's negative or positive. It's just that you have to work through uh, individual personalities, individual perspectives, uh, um, organizational perspectives. You have to work through all that and get to a space where you're saying, Hey, let's move forward together, but that takes time. It doesn't happen in two months or three months. You have to continue to
3: build
0: that. It's also Greg. Had- if I could, sure. If sure, I could right.
3: piggyback on that, Greg, just let's all remember December 21, we were in the middle of COVID and still trying to find our way through COVID and, um, you know, big challenges there. If you're trying to do community-based work in the middle of a pandemic, it's really hard, really hard, like like unprecedentedly hard. So mm-hmm. there's that, one. And two is, you know, in our culture, in our society, we're always looking for a quick fix. You know, what's the magic bullet? What's What are we going to do? Flip a switch and make it better. And the fact of the matter is the challenges that communities have around health, around education, around income, around transportation around housing are not things that are easily fixed. So it's a long, hard conversation to have, and 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 Yolanda have been doing a great job because you have to build that credibility and trust in the neighborhood. You have to build that muscle so that the community can articulate what its
0: requirements are. Yolanda, can you touch on the importance of community and, and why having a strong civic muscle is so important?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, community and uh, a strong civic muscle are so critical. For just even an individual's well being, for social cohesion and societal health. They serve as the foundation for addressing a wide range of challenges and opportunities, ranging from individual needs to larger social and economic or even political issues um, in the community. The stronger the civic muscle, the better the community, the, the stronger the community, and how we can address issues that face the community. And whether,
2: individually, whether they're small or even large. Large,
1: yes. Small wins are important, you know, and um, and as we grow and build trust, that's how we continue to um, gain momentum and build trust. Uh, are the small wins in the community as we continue to build uh, relationships?
0: Ed, would you say that community or civic muscle is is actually voice, or would you say it's the the piece of the collaborating? element that you try to bring to a group? I think, Greg, that uh, the cohesion of of a, of a
3: neighborhood, the civic muscle of a neighborhood, is, is the ability for neighbors to know one another, to uh, understand one another, to have some confidence in one another, to realize that um, they have the ability to make their quality of their lives for their families and their neighborhood better. And that expresses itself in voice. I don't think voice is the main thing. Voice is, is a result of having that good neighborhood work done. And, you know, neighborhoods are, I, I you know, with the Poole Institute for Health, we think about the community is our patient. And if you're going to study or work with a patient, what do you do? Well, you say, uh, why are you here today? And what's the history of that? Has that ever happened before? And what's your family's history? And tell me more about that. And why is that important to you? And you try to learn, try to understand Things that are going on in your patient's life and in our instance,
0: in a community life that either would help or inhibit good quality health. Darian, when you walk out of a meeting right now, what are, what would you say is the one thing that you say or maybe a couple of things that, um, boy, we really wish we could have this or do this or improve on this? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, uh, yeah, the first part of
2: that question. So when I leave the Franken Park community meetings, I'm fired up. Um, because it is probably one of the most rewarding feelings when we leave a meeting and you see people connected, people uh, 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 that love being there, and they don't even want to leave. We actually have to kick them out. You know, say, hey, we have to close out the building, so we need to go. And I think it's so when I leave there, I'm like, wow, that was powerful. Why? Because we love seeing relationships deepen and building bridges of trust. Not only to one another, but to systems, right? Like the city of Allentown nonprofit systems, the health system with Valley Health Partners, community bike works, and when you see bridges being built from organization to organization, person to person, I'm telling right now that fires me up in such an amazing way. And so I leave out there, really like, "Wow!"
0: Well, that's really and, great. And in terms
2: of challenges, I think I don't. When we leave there, I'm like, "Wow! I wish we had. I wish we had. I think." because the park, the Franklin Park, is so crucial to that community. I think sometimes I leave out and I go out to my car in the park and I see all the cement in the park and not a, a lot more grass. I think the challenge is while rallying uh, people together to say, hey, what would you like this park to look like in five years? And and having just really having that conversation, because what I am hearing as we engage residents and people who live there, work there and worship there is, you know, I want to see more grass and I want to see that park invested in. so. I think the challenge might be uh, how we rally people together to get the park uh, revitalized like they did to Valenia Park. How can we get that to happen in our Franken park?
0: So how would you, so how- Yolanda, how would you get that to happen? How do you start? Where do you go where, okay, I want to build this park or I want to make this park more accessible, greener, have uh, more access? How do, you, how do you start that? I mean, it's, it's a big thing.
1: Yes, it is a big thing. And we're in the process of that right now. And part of that is engaging the community that lives right around the park or within that park. And what are their thoughts? What do they want in the park? Because we, we our decisions are based on what they want. So we support whatever the community that is surrounding Franklin Park feels the need is um, and what they would like to have. So what we've been doing are one on ones. And we continue to do one-on-ones to gather as much information as we can and as we continue to have these meetings to be able to build that bridge to, hey, this is what the community is saying is needed and how can we get this done? How can we, who's not at the table that needs to be at the table and work together with other organizations and the city and the parks and recreation and wh- whoever needs to be at the table so that we can put a plan together to make it happen, to to make the park something that is a focal point in that community that people are connecting there and um, having picnics there. And Children are playing, and it's not just a parking lot, half parking lot, and half, you know, a little bit of the stuff, whatever it, what it is right now. You play on it regardless.
0: When you do the one-on-ones, do people have the same concerns, or are they usually different?
2: Well, I mean, that that's a great question, Greg. Um, and so they're very similar. they The highlight in the community is the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of the agencies there, like Ripple Church, mm-hmm. is a highlight. Uh, I've interviewed of people there. And the highlight is the park, but also Ripple Church is a highlight in the community because of their work uh, with the precariously housed. Um, And so, yeah, so that, yeah, so period at the end of the sentence. Yeah, Yeah, no, they
1: they would love a park that just had more stuff for um, teenagers, um, something separate for elementary age um, students. They want a park for the community, that it serves the entire family. So um, that's kind of what we've been getting, that they come regardless, but they do wish that there was more there for them. Because and, in order for them to go to a park, they have to travel far.
2: Around. To go to a park with a yeah. basketball court and other things. To have the, what, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say, Greg, also to piggyback off what Yolanda um, is saying is when we look at the park for an example, I mean, we're looking at about another year and a half of work of creating and building relationships and building trust to really begin to map out. What we'd like to see in the park. We still have to build. We have to bring more people to the table. Um, some necessary people that I believe need to be at the table. And that's the really slow work of doing this. Is that we still have to build relationships and bring other people to the table to say, "Hey, we need your expertise and, and your input." Benches were
1: put in. The oh, park. and
2: benches were so a small ones. Small ones, stuff. Greg. Is well, um, benches were put into that park, and those benches are used every day, mm-hmm. even in the cold. So benches were put in there. The uh, city uh, made some investments into some benches and put some benches there, which is a good thing. But some of the younger high school students told us, well, what about like tables with checkers and like different things for us? It's just swings and a play set. And so they were thinking about, as you look at the park, how about putting some stations where older kids t- are
1: picnic,
2: picnic table or renew the pavilion or uh, put um, a basketball court in there. So this is what some of the older uh, young leaders in the community are saying to us.
0: And how does the Pool Institute work with, Darian and Yolanda to make these things a reality. Well, that's Great a really question. Good question, sure, Great and question. Great so question.
2: I'll Greg. let Ed answer that, and then I'll follow up with after Ed. Sure.
0: All right. I mean, Ed. All right.
3: You, you can you can fill in all the things I get wrong, Darian. <laughs> 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 well, um, Greg, I think the first thing from the standpoint of the Poole Institute for Health is that we understand that there are many things that influence health, many, many things beyond healthcare that influence health. And they have to do with very fundamental issues that people and families have in their lives, safe and healthy housing, adequate food, uh, good supply of food, uh, well-being, good mental health and well-being, access to education for your children, cradle to college or career. And those things are extremely important. And when you look at what is best practice, uh, Darian mentioned uh, our friends at Lupton and FCS, you know, the message always is this is work is neighborhood based. It is place based and neighborhood by neighborhood. You have to think about how all those things thread together and they affect someone's life. So if you're the Poole Institute for Health and saying we're interested in the things that impact health beyond health care. You have to go place-based, you have to go neighborhood-based one, and you have to acknowledge the fact that while you have some of the pieces of the puzzle, there are many important pieces of the puzzle you do not have, like understanding and knowledge of the community. And so our conversations and work with Darian and Yolanda enable us to have a slightly better understanding of what's going on in the neighborhood a little bit more better understanding of, of the requirements of the people who live there and hopefully the kind of relationships
0: that we can build
3: together to create win-win-win
0: opportunities ed yolanda is talking about one-on-ones uh, is there any way that the pool institute's data center can kind of help them out there's two pieces to that greg one
3: is the hard data you know the the, the quantitative data that you would look at statistics in a neighborhood and the Pool Center for Health Analytics and the Institute for Health have that ability to talk about you know, what are the health statistics, what are the high school graduation rates, what are the early childhood participation rates, things of that sort. What, is, what does the housing stock look like? What that does not give you is the perspective of the neighborhood. The one-on-ones give you the commentary in the neighborhood that's equally important to the hard data. So as something we've mentioned a lot on this show, no story without the data, no data without the story. You put those together and you've got a very potent thing that you can share with, with community leadership and say, this is true from the neighborhood's perspective and is true from the statistics that we look at. Here's the case that we're making in terms of what resources the community the needs.
0: Darian, the, the word power comes up. Uh, what does that really mean in community organizing?
2: Well, um, I'd like to say an organized community is power. Um, And so, yeah, that's what I truly believe. Organized community is power. Um, And a lot of terminologies and phrases people use for communities like the Franklin Park community are marginalized, urban. um, But we like to say it's an underestimated community. So for me, when you organize a community, that is our power. Um, You know how I know? Uh, because representatives, our state representatives, <laughs> they want to show up at these meetings because they see that we are organizing people together. And even state reps know that organized people is true power. And so now we have the attention of, of some of our state representatives coming out to our meetings and sharing what they like to see and do and how can they help.
0: And it shows that they're concerned. Who is there somebody that you can, that you can say has really been helpful to uh, communicating with the people when you bring them together in one of these uh, uh meetings
2: well laura balacol with the city of allentown uh she has been uh a one um probably from the city the strongest supporter from the city uh matt turk shows up also to the meetings but laura has been just uh, just a valuable partner in this work um it's just a huge partner in this work um so and that's what we desire to do greg when we bring people together so we have the city represented with laura balacol uh, we have uh, VHP represented uh, with Jamie Santana. We have Ripple Inc. represented with Sherry Bender. We have Ripple Church represented with Angelo Danella and Charlene and, and Pastor Blunt.
1: Community and
2: we have Community Service for Children represented with their rep. So we have all these people coming together. We have residents coming. We also neighbors. And I also like you say, Greg, there's a difference between a resident and a neighbor. Neighbors know each other. Residents are just living there. And what we're trying to do with this long, slow, hard, good work is move people from being a resident to neighborly and being neighbors.
0: Yolanda, take us from high school to where you are right now. What are some of the ways power has been evident to you?
2: Um,
1: How power has been, I'm sorry, what was the
0: question? Give me an example of uh, how power is exercised in, in the community and the growth that you've seen.
1: Oh, okay. I've seen power in just information sharing. Um, what we found uh, a lot in our community meetings and, and the work that we do, just folks being uninformed, not knowing what who does what, what organization does what. So just bringing um, people together and sharing information and putting it in the hands of community members and neighborhoods, that is crucial. It's so important. And they're able to, we have families that have their houses fixed or things um, straightened up with Habitat for Humanity. They didn't know that there was a program out of Habitat for Humanity that will, will, you know, if you qualify, they will provide, you you know, a roof roof and things that you needed uh, for your home. And so, so information, what I find is so important is just even gathering the information and bringing it to the neighborhoods where it's just hard. Um, um, and we had um, we had people from the same organization not know what one person was doing in the same organization that they worked with. So it, it, sometimes it, it's important just to to share um, resources Yolanda. and let each other know what's in the community because I think we're rich with resources, but what we're weak in is. Information sharing, information sharing or letting people know where who is doing what and where, where to go.
0: Yolanda, you're obviously very passionate about this. Are there any mentors that you uh, greatly admire?
1: I would say my, the mentors in my life, uh, I would say Felix Alexander and Olga Negron. And I met them during, uh, I would say, what, 2002?
2: Two. No, Two, 2002.
1: During the Weed and Seed, I was a resident in the First and Sixth Ward, and I part. I was I was one of the people that just went to a meeting one day, and I got involved, and um, I grew. and They really served as leadership role models for me. They assisted me in finding my voice, and they taught me and trained me how to engage the community. I did a two year uh, community organizing training under their leadership, and uh, and we practiced it we went door to door, you know, um, it took practice and we did that for, for years. Um, so I would say, yeah, definitely their leadership was so valuable. I learned so much from them and I still, uh, I credit them for, for a lot of what I'm doing now.
0: Olga's terrific. Uh, she's a good friend of the radio station and our listening mm-hmm. community. And, uh, we love it when she comes back on and, and speaks especially about her connection to the Hispanic community and the things that she's yes. doing with the state. Darian, how about you? Any any mentors that you admire? Yes, I would say um,
2: uh, to add on to what Yolanda said, um, Phyllis and Olga had such a powerful impact on my wife Yolanda that their leadership had an impact on me, which is powerful. Like because of the leaders that they were and what they did with Yolanda, she would come on obviously we'd have conversations and their leadership, their perspective, how to ask, a question how to remain curious when things get tense that training that that they provided for Yolanda inspired me and, and so I credit them but there are there was a couple uh, Ramon and Lucy Crespo who who uh, I definitely credit uh, with helping me in my leadership and also Dave Jones um, these, uh, people, Dave and Tracy Jones, these two couples not only helped me, but they helped my wife mm-hmm. and I, they helped us in the work that we do and our faith and in marriage. Mm-hmm. They have
0: helped us tremendously.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Ed, the, the Parker pool Institute for health helps feed mentors to this cause, correct? Yes. Uh, um, yeah, with,
3: well, this is a, the nature of this work often is, is sort of not, it's not cookbook, Greg. You know, you just don't read a book and say, oh, now I know how to do community work. You really have to experience it. And generally, people who are good at it have had good mentors, have seen it done well, and they can give themselves to the process of saying, look, I don't have all the answers. I'm willing to take some risk. I'm willing to step out on this and learn from the community and realize that there's information and power and, and, and uh, uh, value in the community that is not being uh, seen in the adequate light.
0: So uh, I think that's really an important dynamic. Darian, when a new person comes in and starts to help you, what's their first initial impression? What do they leave a meeting with? What do they think?
2: Well, that that is a really excellent question. And, and I think the most important thing that we hear consistently from every single person that's new that's joined is they feel a sense of belonging and connection. And the one thing I say about our community conversations that happen in the Franklin Park community, the third Thursday of every month, is simply this. The community conversations are an opportunity for us to build trust and build relationships, but it also serves as a connection point. And I've been saying this for years. Connection creates cooperation, and cooperation empowers collaboration. And we truly believe, in partnership with the Parker Poole Institute for Health and Coaching. We believe that collaboration is the way forward. That's why I do the pool Fellowship. They're going on their ninth session. I was part of eight, and I met some amazing people in that space and built some friendships, and I'm growing those friendships now from being part of that fellowship, uh, and we're learning and growing from one another. Um, and so, yeah, that's what it- I'd like to share.
0: And and how has the Pool Institute helped you? You recently uh, graduated from one of their classes. Uh, what, Cohorts, yes. Yeah, what would you take out of that?
2: I took out of that that they, they're interested and they're invested in making sure people who are committed to the work of community, that they have the tools and resources to make this city, specifically Franken Park, an amazing city and an amazing community. And so, why wow, they're they are they're bringing people from around the country who are experts in their fields to train us, to teach us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also received coaching through the health where I sat down and, you know, I'm an energizer. And my coach said something so profound to me. She said, every space you step into, Dan, you do not have to be the energizer. Because that's what people expect from me when I come into a space. And just through that coaching, I walked away from that fellowship like, wow, that was for me because I'm such an energizer and I'm such a connector. And now I'm learning when I enter into spaces in different realms, I just sit back and observe. And I remain curious and ask questions because I don't always have to be that energizer. Ed could be the energizer. Matt Trust could be the energizer. Samantha Shack could be the energizer. And so I'm learning through um, their investing in the community and investing in us that these are some of the things that I can do as I continue uh, this work of community engagement.
0: Yolanda, can you talk about the importance of leadership roles for women in the community?
2: It's so
1: important. It's so important because, um, the prospective needs and concerns of half the population are heard when women are in leadership and are taken into consideration. So making decisions that are more equitable and well-informed is made possible by, uh, I believe by women in leadership. Um, so yes, it's crucial. It is crucial to have women in leadership, to have perspective, women, a woman's perspective. And I think that's kind of like why um, we work well together, because it's both of it's Darian and my perspective towards community. We both go in there and we can have these dialogues together of sharing perspectives and and how we move forward. So, um, yes. It's so important.
0: So you have some uh, programs like uh, character education also, amongst other things, community ambassadors, positive discipline workshops. Can you talk up a little bit about those things?
2: Well, you know, it's so interesting that you, you're talking about women
0: um, and leadership.
2: And you asked a lot of that question, because we were at Lewis Ramos Elementary uh, facilitating our character program and what we do and so one of our, our, our character points is know your role and know your role is all about authority and we talk about uh, parental authority education authority and legal authority um and we always say when you know your role you can achieve your goals and and part two to that workshop that we do with students is this we also tell them about being grateful for those who lead you and so we provide every student with a thank you card and we ask them to thank someone and leadership in their life, whether it's a parent, guardian, um, whether it's a teacher or someone that you respect. At Luis Ramos, a girl drew a picture of Yolanda with her earrings, her shirt, a picture with it, and thanked her uh, because she looks like her. And so, I just want you to understand the importance of having women. And Yolanda being a Hispanic woman, and this girl was a Latina, she saw someone that looked like her and she drew a picture of Yolanda and thanked her for her leadership. That is the power in going and facilitating our character program within the school. They get to see us work together, and they get to see women leading, loving, giving, and serving.
0: Ed, you've been doing this a long time. That must make you happy to see people come away with positive role models because that's kind of at the foundation of this, isn't it?
3: It puts wind in my sails it just charges my battery it's it's just so important let me just say i i so greatly appreciate darian and and yolanda and the work that they do i'm so happy to be their colleague i I really value everything they're doing in the community uh we've got a long way to go there's a lot of work It's it's a long game but um i think we've got the building blocks to really have some significant things happen in franklin park and then share those lessons with communities across allentown and across the entire lehigh valley Um, you know, we started the, the, uh, the show this evening talking about the spirit of we, and I think that's, that is important. The spirit of we, and I, Darren and Yolanda, I hope you agree with me on this, but what I find really valuable is when, when a community has a success that you've helped them make achieve and the community says, we did it.
1: Mm. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
3: Yes.
0: Congratulations, you're doing some outstanding work. Do you have a website? Is there a place where people can go learn more about Cohesion Network?
2: Absolutely. If they can go to cohesionnetwork.org and they can see the work that we do in reference to community engagement, character education, and also positive discipline workshops for educators and for parents.
0: Yolanda and Darian Colvert from the Cohesion Network. Thanks for being on HealthBeat. And of course, Ed, it's always a pleasure to work with you and hear what you have to say. Thank you, folks, for being on the show tonight. Thanks, Greg.
1: Thank you. Thank you, you, Greg.
0: You bet. You've been tuned into HealthBeat. If you joined us in the middle of the program, you can listen to it again tomorrow on our website, and uh, you can listen to it immediately on the WDIY app. If you have that downloaded, just click on the Archive button, and you can listen to it. I'm your host, Greg Caponia. You are listening to WDIY 88.1 FM. Have a great evening. If you enjoyed this program, please go to the WDIY website or app to share or become a WDIY member.